This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Tomorrow is Canada Day, and along with barbecues and fireworks, many Canadians are taking another look at some of the major events that shaped our nation. Canadian history used to be considered boring. Now there's a big controversy over how our government is commemorating it. Historian Christopher Moore will give us his take. Plus, the dog days of summer are a perfect opportunity to reevaluate your retirement plans. The good news is we're living a lot longer, but that means having a plan is more important than ever. Coming up, a special briefing with Sun Life Financial Canada's president, Kevin Doherty, and CARP's Moses Nimer. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The U.S. Supreme Court dramatically advanced gay rights in rulings that mandate the federal government to provide equal treatment to same-sex spouses when it comes to tax, health, pension benefits, and family hospital visits. The legal challenge was brought by 84-year-old Edith Windsor. The New Yorker married her partner, Thea Spire, six years ago here in Toronto, where same-sex marriage has been legal for a decade for her It was a joyous moment. We won everything we asked and hoped for. I cried. (laughs) I cried, okay, but I'm thrilled, obviously. Sales of recreational properties like cottages are starting to rebound after lagging for the past five years, and Zoomers are driving the trend. Remax says softer prices and lots of choice are fueling the comeback, company says buyers have made more money in the stock market, at least until a few weeks ago, and they're able to use the increased value of their principal residences to take out lines of credit and bypass tighter mortgage rules. Remax says many Zoomers are investing in recreational properties with a view to retiring to a simpler lifestyle. We've told you many times about Zoomers who are working years longer than they expected, struggling to bolster their retirement savings. Well, not McKesson's chairman and CEO, John Hammergren. He's just set a new record in corporate America for the largest pension ever. The drug distribution company disclosed in a regulatory filing that Hammergren would have received a $159 million lump sum payment for his pension if he had left the company on March 31st. To put that into perspective, the 54-year-old's pension is more than double that of the next largest, $74 million, for billionaire Rupert Murdoch. We're the She was the most popular member of the original Mickey Mouse Club. And now the stage where Annette Funicello and the rest of the Mickey Mouse Club cast filmed the show will carry her name. 
This week, a ceremony officially renamed it the Annette Funicello Stage. Former Musketeers, Funicello's family and colleagues took part in the dedication. Frankie Avalon, Richard Sherman and Leonard Maltin were among those honoring the late actress. Funicello died in April at the age of 70. Julie Andrews is the only other entertainer to have a namesake stage at the Disney Studios. I'm Woody Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. This week, I moderated a special briefing on the state of retirement in Canada here at the Zoomerplex. It was a chance to drill down to the issues we all need to deal with if we're going to be able to finance the lengthy retirements many of us hope to enjoy. We've been given a tremendous gift, an extra 30 years of life expectancy. It can be a time of great happiness, freedom, and creativity. But you have to be ready. How to make that happen? We have two of the foremost experts, Moses Neimer, president of CARP, and Kevin Doherty, president of Sun Life Financial Canada. It's been extraordinary to see the shift just in the last couple of years where, you know, say four years ago, people on average thought they'd retire at 64. When we did this in the spring of this year, we came out, people on average thought 68. People are just kind of getting starting to internalize this idea, they're going to live a long time into retirement. So part of the solution is going to be to probably stay in the workforce in some way, you know, longer. And I think people want to stay in the workforce. There is a different attitude to retirement. There's some people who take the word retirement as a bit of an insult. So we are dealing with an entire new universe of people who want to stay engaged in some way. There are those who will need to stay engaged because they will need the income. And there are those who want to stay engaged because they know that's how you get more life out of your extra life. But I want to get to what I think is the first crucial point, and that is we've been made complacent by the regime in Canada where the government takes care of it. And I think there is this kind of background thought that the CPP will cover you. Well, we know that the CPP doesn't take you very far, that if you're a single individual, we're talking about less than $20,000 a year. I don't know how anybody can really live with that. It's not a bad supplement. A couple... (laughs) Yeah, 30,000, yeah. right? Just under 30,000. But as a supplement, it suggests that there are other sources of revenue. So some of it may be part-time work, and the rest of it has to be self-reliance. I think that's the new penny Absolutely. that yeah. has not yet dropped in Canada. Many of us, and not enough of us, you know, have started saving. We have RSPs, not enough. But you wake up and you're... 50 or 55 or 60 and you look at your nest egg and it isn't big enough. What do you do? Yeah. yeah. Who are you going to (laughs) call? Who are you going to (laughs) call? This is a very specialized area and one needs advice. And it is only just really in your 50s that you start to get to a place where, you know, maybe you can be a net saver. And so it's, it's sort of not to be unexpected, even though it's very intimidating. You know, if you can get at it in your early 50s, you've got runway and there's no time like the present to do it. Well, except, you know, we've seen numbers from Stats Canada that more people than ever are going into retirement in debt. It's true. Uh, Some people are fortified by the thought that they have a real estate asset that's significant and that somehow they'll be able to roll that over and take up residence in a lower-cost jurisdiction. Uh, But there is a big whack of the Canadian public who just 
they don't have a clue and they don't have resources and we as an organization are spending a lot of time worrying about them. That's where the pressure for improvements to the CPP comes from. Yeah, That's yeah. where this government has suggested an additional personal, private savings plan. Yeah. But we've got to shake this idea that somebody in Ottawa or somebody at Queen's Park is going to take care of you unless you expect to end up on welfare. Kevin, give me yeah, an idea. Yeah. When you sit down with an advisor, what do they do? Do they look at what you've got and, and say, you have enough for X years, or you have to save, you will have to save going forward X dollars a month in order to end up with that? What yeah, are the let, details? Let me start with this yeah. one, okay? <laughs> because I, I may be the president of CARP and, and the founder of Zoomer Media, but I'm also a guy for whom these are practical issues. And yes, I, I know. Say, <laughs> I want to say that the best thing that the Sun Advisor is doing for me, because I'm going through this process, is he's reminding me to do it in the most gentle way, but in the most persistent way. He is forcing me to engage in a conversation and go through a process that even I don't want to do. Uh, uh, I don't may I say, as a family member, if he can force you to do it, more power to <laughs> him because uh, the rest of us, <laughs> well, not so much. You know, everybody immediately yeah. goes to the meeting, but the trick is to get the meeting started and the natural reflex of people is to put it off. I've known how important it is for many years and I've put it off. I always have an excuse. I won't name him fully, but Brian has helped me focus. There's three big things, right? There's a big health event, there's big economic events, and there's taxation, right? And those are the things that, I, you know, an advisor will help you kind of think, think through. You know, you can think about either strategies or products that, you know, so, you know, strategy would be just to kind of earmark some funds that's that's what it's for. It's for a health event for you or your spouse at some point in time. Another would be uh, products like critical illness, you know, that, that will give you a lump sum payment in the event of a, of a big health event. If you're diagnosed with something um, that is a critical illness, then there's some money available. So it's a great way to protect your, you think about you're protecting yourself from this event, but you're also protecting your, your retirement assets. And if we're going to live common lifespans into the 90s or 100, everything's got to shift and people have to take more personal responsibility. For more information on CARP recommended financial advisors, you can go to carp.ca or sunlife.ca. I'm Libby Zneimer and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Tomorrow marks Canada's 146th birthday. But do our roots as Canadians go back further than the Constitution Act of 1867? In a moment, historian Christopher Moore will give us his take. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. It's Canada Day tomorrow, and as we head into the holiday, it seems that Canadian history is having a moment. The Harper government has ignited controversy by launching a parliamentary committee to investigate how Canadian history is taught. And critics are slamming them for concentrating on military events like the War of 1812. 
I reached writer and historian Christopher Moore at his home in Toronto. I must admit, I've kind of enjoyed this debate about the meaning of history. I think it's been uh, it's been good that people have been pushing back against the particular sort of government certified version of history. But uh, but basically, I'm uh, I, I like to see history commemorated, and uh, I don't think commemorating the old military thing is uh, is is a problem as long as we don't think that that's the whole of Canadian history. Okay. Well, speaking of the War of 1812, uh, we will continue to commemorate it because, of course, it it lasted beyond 1812. And one of the things that people say is that it's, it's just plain wrong to look at it as a nation-building experience because we were really just fighting for the British. Well, it was more complicated than that. There's no doubt that regiments of the British Army did most of the heavy lifting and even took most of the casualties. But uh, it was a, a difficult and contentious time to be particularly an upper Canadian, but it went on in lower Canada, in Quebec, and to some extent in the Maritimes as well. Um, I went just the other day to a little museum in Ancaster called the Fieldcoat Museum. I'd actually never been there before. And they have a terrific exhibit on at the moment about what's called the Ancaster Assize, also known as the Bloody Assize, where a number of upper Canadians who decided the Americans were going to win and the Americans were probably right basically took up arms on the American side and ended up getting arrested, charged with high treason. They were given a trial, and in the end, eight of them were executed on the Burlington Heights, just between Hamilton and, and Burlington. And they've put together a terrific exhibit that's really about the kind of mixed loyalties and uncertainties and conflicts that uh, people living here in southern Ontario faced in 1812-1814. Do you see 1812 as some kind of critical in nation-building? I think the War of 1812 was an important moment, and it did help define that boundary between us and the Yanks, um, and was an important part in shaping a separate Canadian identity. The, the fact that Canadians were and considered themselves as British subjects, uh, you know, went on for a very long time. It was actually, I think, 1947 before there was an official Canadian citizenship separate from uh, being a British subject. So that evolution took a long time. But uh, even then, I think there were people who understood that they were living here in, whether they called it Upper Canada or Lower Canada or just Canada, um, that they'd committed their lives and their children's futures to, to right here. And uh, which flag was going to wave over it was, was important. The face of Canada obviously is changing very, very radically. I mean, when I was in school, it was, we, we were taught that there were basically two founding groups, two founding races, the English and the French. Um, how important is that? I mean, we're such a multicultural mix. Uh, how do you see people relating to those origins of Canada? I think we're we're still working out the consequences of that. I must admit, I'm kind of optimistic about it. It's certainly, you know, Quebec and the French fact in Canada, it doesn't look to me like it's going away. I think uh, 50 years from now or 100 years from now, there's still going to be a, a strong, culturally assertive, proud, uh, valuable francophonie uh, in Canada. One of the things we've seen as we've become a more multiracial and multicultural society, there's become a lot more interest in 
you know, very early black immigrants to Canada. There was a, there was a man called Matthew de Costa who came to Acadia with Samuel de Champlain, and he's recently become a kind of uh, famous figure in some kind of corners of Canadian history. And I think that's partly related to current uh, interests and concerns. Um, but we've always had, uh, you know, minority uh, groups. It's just that as we've become more diverse in recent years, we probably pay more attention to that part of our, even our distant history. Okay, and do you have anything to recommend to people historically for Canada Day that's maybe a little off the beaten track? We do have a tremendous wealth all over southern Ontario, really all over Canada, of local museums and local heritage sites and all those terrific historic sites uh, down on the Niagara Peninsula, many of them connected to the War of 1812. Uh, You know, wherever you go, you should be able to find a preserved house or a little museum. And uh, I must admit... uh, I don't spend my life going to those, but when I when I go to them, I often find, you know, I find out something new about Canadian history, and I kind of recharges my sense of myself as a Canadian against against what they show there. So that's always an option. Um, the Toronto historic places and heritage places are pretty terrific too. Okay. Yeah. On that note, Happy Canada Day, and thank you so much. And the same to you. It's so great of you to call. And many Canadian historic sites, including Toronto's Fort York and Niagara's Fort George, will be open tomorrow with special Canada Day events. You can find more information online. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. In just a moment, we'll return with a musical tribute to Canada based on a timeless Woody Guthrie tune. Stay with us. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your International Arts Datebook, tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, Tennessee Williams, the two-character play stars character actor Brad Dourif and Amanda Plummer. Amanda Plummer is the daughter of the legendary Christopher Plummer and actress Tammy Grimes. This classic production is at New World Stages. In Chicago, the internationally acclaimed exhibition Impressionism, Fashion and Modernity has opened at the Art Institute of Chicago. It's the final stop on a world tour. To London, England, where the Royal Opera Company has revived Gloriana to celebrate the opera's 60th anniversary. It runs at Covent Garden until July 6th. And in Rome, see 150 black and white photos which reflect the distinctive style of Life magazine. The exhibition is at the Music Park Auditorium. I'm Jane Brown, and that's your International Arts Book. We'll end today's show with a musical tribute to Canada on its 146th birthday. The Travelers were Canada's answer to many of the popular American folk groups during the 50s and 60s. They had numerous hit songs, recorded 16 albums, toured the country extensively, and even performed for the Queen. None of their hits, however, were as famous as their distinctly Canadian cover of a classic Woody Guthrie song, This Land Is Your Land. This land is your land, this land is my land, from Bonavista to the Vancouver Island, from the Arctic Circle to the Great Lake Water. This land was made for you and me. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, 
I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is my land. From Bonavista to the Vancouver Island, from the Arctic Circle to the Great Lake Water. the Travelers with a very Canadian version of This Land is Your Land. It was a big hit during the 1967 centennial celebrations and continues to be a great piece of Canadiana as we celebrate our country's 146th birthday. And that brings us to the end of today's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please come back next week when we focus on fitness after 50. And have a very happy Canada Day. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nimer, Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandriel. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.